0: Section six of The Morals, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Morals, Volume two, by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. How a young man ought to hear poems, part three. And lastly, it will be useful likewise to inquire into the cause why each thing is said. For so, Cato, when he was a boy, though he was wont to be very observant of all his master's commands, yet withal used to ask the cause or reason why he so commanded. But poets are not to be obeyed as pedagogues and lawgivers are except they have reason to back what they say, and that they will not want when they speak well, and if they speak ill, what they say will appear vain and frivolous. But nowadays most young men very briskly demand the reason for such trivial speeches as these, and inquire in what sense they are spoken. It bodes ill luck when vessels you set up to place the ladle on the mixing cup who from his chariot to another's leaps seldom his seat without a combat keeps but to those of greater moment they give credence without examination as to those that follow the boldest men are daunted oftentimes when they are reproached for their parents crimes when any man is crushed by adverse fate his spirit should be low as his estate And yet such speeches relate to manners and disquiet men's lives by begetting in them evil opinions and unworthy sentiments Except they have learned to return answer to each of them thus Wherefore is it necessary that a man who is crushed by adverse fate should have a dejected spirit yea what rather should he not struggle against fortune and raise himself above the pressures of his low circumstances Why, if I myself be a good and wise son of an evil and foolish father, does it not rather become me to bear myself confidently upon the account of my own virtue than to be dejected and dispirited because of my father's defects? For he that can encounter such speeches and oppose them after this manner, not yielding himself up to be overset with the blast of every saying, but approving that speech of heraclitus that whate'er is said though void of sense and wit the size of a fool's intellect doth fit will reject many such things as falsely and idly spoken these things therefore may be of use to preserve us from the hurt we might get by the study of poems now as on a vine the fruit oftentimes lies shadows and hidden under its large leaves and luxuriant branches So in the poet's phrases and fictions that encompass them there are also many profitable and useful things concealed from the view of young men This however ought not to be suffered nor should we be led away from things themselves thus But rather adhere to such of them as tend to the promoting of virtue and the well-forming of our manners It will not be altogether useless therefore to treat briefly in the next place of passages of that nature wherein i intend to touch only at some particulars leaving all longer discourses and the trimming up and furnishing them with a multitude of instances to those who write more for show and ostentation first therefore let our young man be taught to understand good and bad manners and persons and from thence apply his mind to the words and deeds which the poet decently assigns to either of them for example achilles though in some wrath speaks to agamemnon thus decently nor when we take a trojan crown can i with thee in spoils and splendid prizes vie whereas thersites to the same person speaks reproachfully in this manner tis thine tear the warrior's breast in flames; the golden spoil and thine the lovely dames with all the wealth our wars and blood bestow thy tents are crowded and thy chests o'erflow again achilles thus whene'er by jove's decree our conquering powers shall humble to the dust troy's lofty towers but thersites thus whom i or some greek else as captive bring again diomedes when agamemnon taking a view of the army spoke reproachfully to him to his hard words forbore to make reply for the respect he bare to majesty whereas Stenelus, a man of small note replies to him thus sir when you know the truth what need to lie for with our fathers we for valour vie Now the observation of such difference will teach the young man the decency of a modest and moderate temper and the unbecoming nauseousness of the contrary vices of boasting and cracking of a man's own worth and It is worth while also to take notice of the demeanour of Agamemnon in the same passage for he passeth by sthenelus unspoken to but perceiving ulysses to be offended he neglects not him but applies himself to answer him struck with his generous wrath the king replies for to have apologized to every one had been too servile and misbecoming the dignity of his person whereas equally to have neglected every one had been an act of insolence and imprudence and very handsome it is that diomedes Though in the heat of the battle he answers the king only with silence yet after the battle was over useth more liberty Towards him speaking thus you called me coward sir before the greeks It is expedient also to take notice of the different carriage of a wise man and of a soothsayer popularly courting the multitude for Chalcas very unseasonably makes no scruple to traduce the king before the people, as having been the cause of the pestilence that was befallen them. But Nestor, intending to bring in a discourse concerning the reconciling Achilles to him, that he might not seem to charge Agamemnon before the multitude with the miscarriage his passion had occasioned, only adviseth him thus But thou, O king, to counsel call the old. Wise weighty counsels aid a state distressed and such a monarch as can choose the best Which done accordingly after supper he sends his ambassadors now this speech of nestor Tended to the rectifying of what he had before done amiss and that of chalcas only to accuse and disparage him There is likewise consideration to be had of the different manners of nations such as these the Trojans enter into battle with loud outcries and great fierceness, but in the army of the Greeks, sedate and silent move the numerous bands. No sound, no whisper, but the chiefs' commands; those only heard, with all the rest obey. For when soldiers are about to engage an enemy, the awe they stand in of their officers is an argument both of courage and obedience for which purpose plato teacheth us that we ought to inure ourselves to fear blame and disgrace more than labour and danger and cato was wont to say that he liked men that were apt to blush better than those that looked pale moreover there is a particular character to be noted of the men who undertake for any action for dolon thus promiseth i'll pass through all their host in a disguise to their flagship where she at anchor lies But Diomedes promiseth nothing but only tells them he shall fear the less if they send a companion with him whereby is intimated That discreet foresight is Grecian and civil but rash confidence is barbarous and evil And the former is therefore to be imitated and the latter to be avoided It is a matter too of no unprofitable consideration how the minds of the trojans and of hector too were affected when he and ajax were about to engage in a single combat for aeschylus when upon one of the fighters at fisticuffs in the isthmian games receiving a blow on the face there was made a great outcry among the people said What a thing is practice see how the lookers-on only cry out, but the man that received the stroke is silent But when the poet tells us that the Greeks rejoiced when they saw Ajax in his glistering armor But the Trojans knees for very fear did quake and even Hector's heart began to ache Who is there that wonders not at this difference when the heart of him that was to run the risk of the combat? only beats inwardly as if he were to undertake a mere wrestling or running match but the very bodies of the spectators tremble and shake out of the kindness and fear which they had for their king in the same poet we may observe the difference betwixt the humour of a coward and a valiant man for thersites against achilles a great malice had and wise ulysses he did hate as bad But ajax is always represented as friendly to achilles and particularly he speaks thus to hector concerning him Hector approach my arm and singly know what strength thou hast and what the grecian foe Achilles shuns the fight yet some there are not void of soul and not unskilled in war wherein he insinuates the high commendation of that valiant man and in what follows he speaks like handsome things of his fellow-soldiers in general thus whole troops of heroes greece has yet to boast and sends thee one a sample of her host wherein he doth not boast himself to be the only or the best champion but one of those among many others who were fit to undertake that combat what hath been said is sufficient upon the point of dissimilitudes except we think fit to add this that many of the trojans came into the enemy's power alive but none of the grecians and that many of the trojans supplicated to their enemies as for instance adrastus the sons of antimachus lycaon and even hector himself entreats achilles for a sepulcher. but not one of these doth so as judging it barbarous to supplicate to a foe in the field And More greek-like either to conquer or die But as in the same plant the bees feed on the flower the goat on the bud the hog on the root And other living creatures on the seed and the fruit So in reading of poems one man singleth out the historical part another dwells upon the elegancy and fit disposal of words as Aristophanes says of Euripides his gallant language runs so smooth and round that i am ravished with harmonious sound But others to whom this part of my discourse is directed mind only such things as are useful to the bettering of manners And such we are to put in mind that it is an absurd thing That those who delight in fables should not let anything slip them of the vain and extravagant stories they find in poets and that those who affect language should pass by nothing that is elegantly and floridly expressed and that only the lovers of honor and Virtue who apply themselves to the study of poems not for delight, but for instructions sake Should slightly and negligently observe what is spoken in them relating to valor temperance or justice Of this nature is the following And stand we deedless o eternal shame till Hector's arm involve the ships in flame haste let us join and combat side to side For to see a man of the greatest wisdom in danger of being totally cut off with all those that take part with him And yet affected less with fear of death than of shame and dishonor must needs excite in a young man a passionate affection for virtue and this. Joyed was the goddess, for she much did prize a man that was alike both just and wise. Teacheth us to infer that the deity delights not in a rich or a proper or a strong man, but in one that is furnished with wisdom and justice. Again, when the same goddess, Minerva, saith that the reason why she did not desert or neglect Ulysses was that he was gentle, of ready wit, of prudent mind. She therein tells us that of all things pertaining to us nothing is dear to the gods and divine but our virtue seeing like naturally delights in like and Seeing moreover that it both seemeth and really is a great thing to be able to moderate a man's anger But a greater by far to guard a man's self beforehand by prudence that he fall not into it nor be surprised by it Therefore also such passages as tend that way are not slightly to be represented to the readers. For example, that Achilles himself, who was a man of no great forbearance nor inclined to such meekness, yet warns Priam to be calm and not to provoke him thus. Move me no more, Achilles thus replies, while kindling anger sparkled in his eyes, nor seek by tears my steady soul to bend to yield thy hector i myself intend cease lest neglectful of high jove's command i show thee king thou treadst on hostile land and that he himself first washeth and decently covereth the body of hector and then puts it into a chariot to prevent his father seeing it so unworthily mangled as it was lest the unhappy sire provoked to passion once more roused to ire The stern Pelades and nor sacred age nor Jove's command should check the rising rage For it is a piece of admirable prudence for a man so prone to anger as being by nature Hasty and furious to understand himself so well as to set a guard upon his own inclinations and by avoiding Provocations to keep his passion at due distance by the use of reason lest he should be unawares surprised by it and after the same manner must the man that is apt to be drunken forearm himself against that vice, and he that is given to wantonness against lust, as Agesilaus refused to receive a kiss from a beautiful person addressing to him, and Cyrus would not so much as endure to see Panthea. Whereas, on the contrary, those that are not virtuously bred, are wont to gather fuel to inflame their passions and voluntarily to abandon themselves to those temptations to which of themselves they are endangered but ulysses does not only restrain his own anger but perceiving by the discourse of his son telemachus that through indignation conceived against such evil men he was greatly provoked he blunts his passion too beforehand and composeth him to calmness and patience thus there if base scorn insult my reverend age bear it my son repress thy rising rage if outraged cease that outrage to repel bear it my son howe'er thy heart rebel for as men are not wont to put bridles on their horses when they are running in full speed but bring them bridled beforehand to the race so do they use to preoccupy and predispose the minds of those persons with rational considerations to enable them to encounter passion whom they perceive to be too mettlesome and unmanageable upon the sight of provoking objects furthermore the young man is not altogether to neglect names himself when he meets with them though he is not obliged to give much heed to such idle descants as those of Cleanthes who while he professeth himself an interpreter plays the trifler as in these passages of homer and, for he will needs read the last two of these words joined into one and make them for that the air evaporated from the earth by exhalation anathosis is so called yea and chrysippus too though he does not so trifle yet is very jejun while he hunts after improbable etymologies as when he will need force the words to import jupiter's excellent faculty in speaking and powerfulness to persuade thereby but such things as these are fitter to be left to the examination of grammarians and we are rather to insist upon such passages as are both profitable and persuasive such for instance as these my early youth was bred to martial pains my soul impels me to the embattled plains how skilled he was in each obliging art the mildest manners and the gentlest heart for while the author tells us that fortitude may be taught and that an obliging and graceful way of conversing with others is to be gotten by art and the use of reason he exhorts us not to neglect the improvement of ourselves but by observing our teachers instructions to learn a becoming carriage as knowing that clownishness and cowardice argue ill-breeding and ignorance and very suitable to what hath been said is that which is said of jupiter and Neptune gods of one source, of one ethereal race, alike divine, and heaven their native place, but Jove the greater, first born of the skies, and more than men or gods, supremely wise. For the poet therein pronounceth wisdom to be the most divine and royal quality of all, as placing therein the greatest excellency of Jupiter himself and judging all virtues else to be necessarily consequent thereunto We are also to accustom a young man attentively to hear such things as these Urge him with truth to frame his fair replies and sure he will for wisdom never lies The praise of wisdom in thy youth obtained an act so rash Antilochus has stained say is it just my friend that hector's ear from such a warrior such a speech should hear i deemed thee once the wisest of thy kind but ill this insult suits a prudent mind these speeches teach us that it is beneath wise men to lie or to deal otherwise than fairly even in games or to blame other men without just cause and when the poet attributes pindarus's violation of the truce to his folly he withal declares his judgment that a wise man will not be guilty of an unjust action the like may we also infer concerning continence taking our ground for it from these passages for him Antea burned with lawless flame and strove to tempt him from the paths of fame In vain she tempted the relentless youth, endued with wisdom, sacred fear, and truth. At first, with worthy shame and decent pride, the royal dame his lawless suit denied, for virtue's image yet possessed her mind. In which speeches the poet assigns wisdom to be the cause of continence, and when in exhortations made to encourage soldiers to fight, he speaks in this manner what mean you lycians stand O oh stand for shame yet each reflect who prizes fame or breath on endless infamy on instant death for lo the fated time the appointed shore hark the gates burst the brazen barriers roar he seems to intimate that continent men are valiant men because they fear the shame of base actions and can trample on pleasures and stand their ground in the greatest hazards whence timotheus in the play called perse takes occasion handsomely to exhort the grecians thus brave soldiers of just shame in awe should stand for the blushing face oft helps the fighting hand and Isolus also makes it a point of wisdom not to be blown up with pride when a man is honored Not to be moved or elevated with the acclamations of a multitude writing thus of Amphiarus, His shield no emblem bears his generous soul wishes to be not to appear the best While the deep furrows of his noble mind harvests of wise and prudent counsel bear For it is the part of a wise man to value himself upon the consciousness of his own true worth and excellency Whereas therefore all inward perfections are reducible to wisdom It appears that all sorts of virtue and learning are included in it End of section six